Hey everyone, and welcome to episode number 25 of the Bodybuilding Down Under podcast. If you listened to last week's episode, you would know that DY has left us for Europe. So we've decided to get on a bigger and better bodybuilder onto the podcast. So welcome, Jono Bannister, who will be replacing DY this week. And to kick things off, Jono, let us know a bit about yourself, a bit about your bodybuilding and your business too. G'day guys, um, thanks for the invite of course and uh, never did a podcast so I'm going to be pretty raw so I'll try to keep my language down to a bare minimum, <laughs> no promises but I'll try. Um, <clears throat> currently bodybuilder, uh, classic physique um, competitor in the in the Natty Federations, um, work for myself under Off Tap Fitness, I'm a transformation, comp prep, gen pop, you name it, we do it all. Um, custom tailoring for, for clients to nutrition to, you know, it's pretty much, if you've got a goal, we, we, we do it, but um, overall it's pretty much it. Yeah. When was the last time you competed, Jono? Oh, I think it was like 2020 a cause we reverted from the, the, the COVID when COVID hit and it was like 2000, we were coming in for the 2019 B and then yeah, cruising there was pretty good. And how many, uh, cause you've done quite a few seasons, haven't you? Cause I remember, where there's been this uh this kind of like secret rivalry between Jack, Jack and Jono over over the years. I think you guys have actually competed many times across seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think I've always waited. I, like I seen because I was coming in before I had um that I got my rib taken out. I we were coming in for 23B. I'm like, oh, everyone's gonna be there. It's gonna be sick. And then it happened. I'm like, fuck. Mm. Well, now <laughs> I've now I've actually moved to your next season. I'm doing 24B now. Yes. <laughs> I still remember I came in, it was probably my second season and I seen Jack and was like, fucking hell, he's, he's rigged. And I'm, look, I'm looking at Simon's like, I'm going to be like that one day, you watch. <laughs> yeah, it's cool that we've done the same because like my first season, uh, 2018, you were there and then 2021, A, you were there as well. So so this will almost be like the, what, the third season in a row of uh, competing with each other. Yeah. Hectic. We bring, we bring the most classic of classic. <laughs> and uh, tell us, what, is, uh, what does Off Tap mean, the name? Like, where does it stem from? Off Tap, as you can tell, I'm, I'm sort of like a bouncy ball and I'm really into fitness. And that's, that's pretty much how it went. Because awesome. Off Tap basically refers to like, it means like amazing, right? Basically, like it's Off Tap. You would often refer to something as being like Off Tap. Like, as yeah, in, like that's, that's, you know, awesome. yeah, 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 cool. Great. So let's uh, dive into, no, what we'll do first is just a bit of a recap, actually, and just touch on the last couple of weeks for each of us. So, Jono, I'll, I'll hand this over to you first. I think that's only fitting. So what we usually do here is let us know, like, how your training's going, how your nutrition's going, like, what kind of phase you're in right now, and we can go from there. And maybe even just give us a rundown of, like, your, you mentioned just briefly before, like, getting the rib removed. So um, yeah, man, give, give some of the listeners a little bit more context about that. Cause I think it's actually a really fascinating story. And also just talking about going through adversity and kind of overcoming that mm. you know, training and, and working around injuries. I think it's come down. I've never really had um, an injury happen before. I think this is um, coming into, oh, when was it? I think it was coming in my last season. I ended up finishing the season up and I got thoracic outlet syndrome. I, I don't know how to explain it properly but i ended up getting a blood clot in my shoulder and then um had like a little bit of a scary moment because they said if you if you took a bump it was either going into your heart or your lung mm. so i was like oh so we went in and got that sorted out 
got given some stuff um, to take home after doing uh, two days in the surgery. And they're like, oh, we're going to do one more day. I'm like, nah, man, it's not happening. I'm not going to be able to sit still for another day. So they sent us home. And then um, from there, I just had to really back off my training. It was like, as a PT, I do a lot of face-to-face sessions. So being around it, I got a little bit down sometimes, but I was like, you know what? It's a, it's a meant to happen. So, you know, there's nothing I could have did about it. It was just my, my structure did not support what's, what's been going on over the last 31 years or so. And then, um, yeah, I think the accumulations, it's not specifically bodybuilding's fault, but it's just the constant movement, overhead pressing, pulling, it's just uh, caused that area to, to close up slightly, which is okay. But now it's, um, got the rib taken out, uh, fast forward, you know, we're, we're sweet beans. Uh, I had to stick to my five kilo weights now. I'm pretty much, pretty much up to hundred percent now with, um, overhead press. Like it was uh, training today, did, uh, 60, 60 for 12. Uh, did last, last week with DC with, um, 10 reps. So I was quite happy with that little, feels really soft to go up, but I can get it like all the way through the top now. So that's pretty nice. Mm. How, how long was the actual recovery itself? So like, how long were you, you, restricted to let's say only lifting like five kilos for oh i think it was uh, within the second day because i wasn't pressing the button i was like trying to, i was trying to get out as fast as i can and they're like you're not really <laughs> pressing the button mate i'm like can i just go home because like I've, I've already started playing with my arm and the, the physio guy i think they're used to really old people that get get it done and they're like we'll just go for a walk i'm like oh thank god and i'm like i'm shot up and he's like you need to go slow mate and i'm like yeah yeah i'm going as slow as i can and he's like oh so what do you do and it's like oh i'm a pt mate and it's like Oh, okay. We'll, we'll just go to the end of this hole and we'll come back. And it's like about two, two days down about a week. I had it up to, I was only allowed to come 90 degrees, but I couldn't turn it too much. And then within there, maybe a month got the checkup done and they're like, Oh, you know, full start playing with it. I think I was seeing, um, I was seeing Ben over at Brighton. Um, and he was like, yeah, man, just, just reach up for the sky. I think we're like two weeks in and we're like full overhead and trying to stretch it all out. And then, um, yeah, from there now it's just making it go forward, taking the time to let it rebuild. There's some I can I can press really really good. I can pull really good. It's just when I go directly overhead, I just got to be aware that you know it can. I'm susceptible to get it on this side as well, so I just got to limit my direct overhead. I can side raise, front raise to my heart's content. But I think it's as soon as I, as soon as I go to push, you can feel it doesn't hurt, but you can feel it pushing into the rim and sort of like someone's like pushing on the top of your top of your chest mm. weird sensation never had that before Jono, did you which rib was removed it was on the the top on the left yeah, yeah. top left because they come up they come up under your armpit and mm. took the first rib out of the top of you yeah okay because sometimes the um with the the tos like people have a extra rib that sort of attaches to their seventh vertebra and it's like a congenital things. So I wasn't sure if maybe you were one of the the rare few who had that that extra cervical rib, as they call it. Um, but that's crazy, man. Like the you know thoracic outlet's very rare. And if did you, so, you had um, like arterial thoracic outlet. I think they call it the venous. It was the rarer one. They're like, oh, yeah. this is an artery or a venous. Yeah, because there's like between thoracic outlet, there's like neurogenic, which is like the nerves getting compromised, or then either the artery or the vein. And then the vein is the more common out of the, mm. um, I guess, blood vessel related um, thoracic outlet. But yeah, it's, it's a pretty crazy, uh, crazy condition. Did you have symptoms for a long time? Not really. I was actually, I was in a deload 
and I come off the incline press and I was doing 80 kilos for like tens, no worries. And I was like, I sat up and I remember I, I was with, uh, who was with, I think it was with Chris and I had Braden, Braden on the floor at the physio and I went to him and I'm like, boy, my arms fucking so pumped. Like the whole, the whole left side was like lit. It's like, you just did like a thousand curls and my, my right side's like just chilling. And I'm like, there was like a little, not like a pop, but sort of like a click, click. And I'm like, okay, I waited. I did like another set and I tried to go again and I put it back down. And then I looked at Raiden and I'm like, boy, I don't look good. eh?" And it's like, it didn't hurt, but it was just, there was just so much. It felt like the skin was going to pop out, but the blood could get in, but it couldn't get out. So I was like rocking around with like big giant, like one arm, like on the arm wrestle or something. And this mm. other side's just like, where's my pump? Not the so type I'm of like, blood flow restriction you want. Nah, it was hectic. I was like, that's something I'd, I'd want to get with a pump for sure. But I was like, it was, it was, I like normally don't take it too much, but I'm, I'm looking at mine. I'm like, we need to go. I need to get this sorted out. And I went straight to Benny's like, you need to go to the hospital. Like, Not bad. Yeah. It only took 31 years to get something. So I'm, I'm quite <laughs> happy with that. It's a good odd. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. Well, um, let's uh, delve over to you, Lawrence. How have things been going? Yeah, things are good, mate. I was actually, that is super ironic that Jono mentions that because I, I knew you had the surgery and stuff, but I didn't know it was thoracic outlet. And I'm working through a little like um, professional development thing module at the moment on thoracic outlet. So mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, what are the chances of that? But um, no, things are, are good on my end, mate. Training's really good. I had to have a, I had to have, sunday off because i don't know what happened but my hay fever decided to just get sent into the the stratosphere and i literally could not stop sneezing i was like super congested wasn't sure if i was coming down with something but uh all fine now which is good so back to training the last couple of days and feeling really good i was have a, a chat to joe over the weekend during our check-in and we're probably going to think about doing a very short and sweet dieting phase quite soon so we'll have two more weeks reassess from there and then decide if we're going to pull the trigger on a little cleanup phase just before sort of the festive season um i guess his sort of rationale for that is just to give us a little bit more leeway um with nutrition over the holidays and stuff like that um appetite is not too bad at the moment like i don't really feel like i'm you know in need of the cut from that perspective but um i think he just wants to make sure we're in a really good shooting range for prep to actually start next year um and look as soon as we start to get close to the contest prep and um where there's decisions need to get made around body composition and nutrition that's where i'm i'm pretty much giving him the ball to run with i'm happy to to chime in about training and pretty much keep that in hand these days but when it comes when push comes to shove he's going to be the one calling the shots so pretty happy to go with his lead on that um but uh all very, very good, mate. Got the uh, the fifties back up on the flat dumbbell, which was nice. So it's been a minute since we've had those back up there. And I swear, like the hammer strength dumbbells, you can just get a couple more kilos on those. Like the way that they sit in the palm and like the distribution of the weight across the dumbbell, they just feel like amazing. So no, nah, they're feeling really good today. How much are you weighing these days? So this week I've been pretty consistently like 94, 94 and a half first thing in the morning, um, which is still a little bit off what would be like a a peak body weight. But I think in terms of where we want to be within shooting distance for prep, I think, I think this weight would be a pretty good place to start because I think that would have us, you know, losing sort of at most probably like 12 kilos, which for me is generally a pretty good place to be for prep 
and given the amount of time that we want to have before show one. So yeah, I think we're probably, you know, going to stay pretty similar to that weight before we do a little tidy up, maybe get off, you know, two or three kilos in that phase and then spend the last three months of, of the off season, just at a, a bit of a slower rate of gain. And I think if we could start at like 94, I think that would be pretty good. And I don't know, like, I think it's just a, a matter of, you know, like, do I need to be in that much more of a surplus? Like when I, when I'm this close to getting ready to prep, like, is there any point in me trying to surpass a previous body weight? Like, do I need to push up to like 96 or 97? I just don't really know if I'm going to get that much more out of it, considering it's just going to mean more work to do. So I think those big push-ups, you know, from my perspective anyway, are probably best left for, you know, the, the first half of a very long improvement season where you've got ages, you've got probably several mini cuts before you're even going to think about prepping. And I just think it's probably worthwhile not shooting as high when you are starting to get close to pulling the trigger on a prep. What about you though, DC? Yeah, so I am actually up in Cairns right now. I flew up here on Friday and I've got a friend's wedding here on the weekend. So decided to come up just a little bit early. I'm originally from Cairns. Like this is my, my hometown. I've been back for a few years to visit, but um, spending some time with, uh, with some family and friends. My mom's recently moved back up here as well. So visiting her and, uh, and I've obviously got like a lot of school friends from around this area as well. So it's been awesome to be just like in a slightly different environment in terms of um, working as well, just working out of a different, different office. And uh, it's just kind of nice to be in a different four walls, <laughs> even though I'm still in an office environment, it's still just nice to work from somewhere different. Uh, considering that I work, you know, primarily on online at this stage, but um, training's been actually a lot of fun because I'm training right now at a just a completely different gym than what is, you know, your your world world gym, traditional world gym. So this gym is called Your Fitness, and it's in the city here in Cairns, and it's kind of like a dungeon. So <laughs> it has a bit of like a dungeon vibe. It's got some really really old equipment. Uh, I think it's a combination of like hoist and some light fitness stuff, but you know, the, the, the barbells are just covered in rust. The, the, the dumbbells are covered in head to toe and rust as well. And it just has like a really dark kind of grungy feel to it, which I actually think is, is pretty fun. There's no aircon, So I'm just absolutely sweating balls in that, in there. As I train, I, I reckon the, the session RPE is about three, four times higher than, than you as. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, um, I probably haven't sweat that much in my life in a, in a long, long time. Like it's almost like sweating as if I've been running a marathon as opposed to actually, you know, training and taking three, four minute rest between sets. I'm still just absolutely dripping, but um, yeah, some of the hoist equipment is really interesting. Like I'm, I'm training and I'm, you know, your body's moving in the midst of, um, of, of performing the, the machine. Have you guys ever used any of the hoist stuff before? No, I haven't. No. Yeah. I have once before it was down at world's Burley they've subsequently gotten rid of those pieces, which is a, a crying shame because it's pretty cool, man. Like, I think I remember using like a, a seated row and yeah, it's exactly what you said. You're sort of, you're pulling, but then your your body is like moving with the seat and I actually find them to be quite enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. So like, for example, with the, there's like a lat pull down variation, a pin loaded lat pull down variation and you start relatively upright. And then as you pull, it basically like extends you back so it kind of changes that force force length curve quite a bit, which is quite interesting. It kind of makes for some interesting movements, like interesting force length curves. So uh, it's just been cool to, to rip into a new gym gym, and uh, and a few of my mates have been coming in to, to train with me. So I'm kind of 
navigating between orchestrating a bit of a session and, and, and training myself. So it has been a bit more off, off program, which I don't mind on occasion. It's actually pretty fun. And from a nutritional standpoint, you know, we've, we've had a few more meals out just because it's a bit more sociable at this point, catching up with friends, but um, I'm just tracking through my fitness pal and, and essentially guesstimating to a degree. So inaccuracies is going to be there, but it's, um, it's a small a price to pay when I'm towards the upper limit of kind of where my, my body fat set point is right now. So when I do get back, which is next, next week, uh, Monday, I'll be, I'll be likely running a, a mini cut. So and tend to run that over the course of about six weeks, eight weeks max, if I feel like I could push another two weeks from there. But I'm going to try and pull off around sort of six kilos in that time frame. So go from around 96 down to about you know 90 kilos. And I think I'll be happy days that'll open up another really solid gaining phase thereafter. Awesome. Maybe finish the mini cut just in time for Christmas. Mm, strategic. <laughs> nah, you got to do it after Christmas. That's what I, that's, I try to uh, steer myself towards after Christmas as well, if I need yeah. to. Mm, that's fair. I think if anything, if I run it before, it somewhat makes me a little bit more mindful to just not go, you know, not go crazy. Mm. But uh, Christmas is never, I don't know about you you guys, but Christmas is not really a, like, it's, it's, a, it's a big day for my family. But um, I mean, I can be, still be pretty controlled with nutrition. I don't tend to go, go nuts on Christmas day. Mm. Depends what Christmas food it is, like trying trying to overeat on cold seafood. I mean, that's quite a challenge in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like three, 300 grams of protein for the day. Something yeah. uh, in terms of myself, like not too much going on with me. Like I'm deloading this week, been enjoying the sessions at, at Riggs. Um, I'm doing three sessions there a week at the moment, uh, two lower sessions and the pool session. And yeah, they've got, some nice uh, heavier dumbbells there. They go up to 75, which is useful for like the single arm rows that I was doing. And yeah, not too much else to say. At a comfortable position food-wise, like appetites, uh, I'm not hungry, but I'm not super full. And yeah, still still a, a long way to go in this gaining phase, which I'm happy about. Like I'm about 91 or in the mid 91s at the moment. And I reckon I'll at least get to 95, which like that'll be completely new territory for me. It'll be new territory in terms of strength and also like how I look at that point. So looking forward to getting there and maybe even maintaining for a bit there for a month or two and then coming down. So yeah, keen to get back into training next week. Um, just in a good groove with it at the moment. And uh, I think we'll head into some questions. So this one relates to uh, DC's endeavors at, at the new gym and it says what makes the perfect gym. So, well, I, I was actually going to say like slightly different to that. Cause I saw what, you know, DC was like, there's no air con. It's a bit sort of more hardcore and old school. And I was going to ask you guys, like what for you is that level of, of hardcore that you like? Because, you know, you hear stories about Metroflex in, in Arlington in Texas, where, Ronnie and Branch used to train and there's like apparently you know there's like blood on the floor like dried blood and there's dust everywhere and it's like it's like filthy in there and I don't want to train somewhere like that like I still want it to be like neat and clean and tidy but like I do understand there is this appeal towards those hardcore gyms with a bit of rust on the dumbbell and metal plates and and maybe not everything's as like shiny and new so I want to ask you guys like what is the level of you know hardcore that you like in your gyms ideally 
you can definitely get a little bit of grunge. You can have the grunge, but you still got to have be up to date because if you look at some of the machines back then, you're like, oh, I, I, I wouldn't sit on that. You'd get like tetanus or something. Mm. But it's like in, in between that nice middle range, like tens being like, holy shit, like the, the garage door can be open. They got like, you can play around with the heat. That would be sick. And you've got like some key pieces, like uh, like how Jack was saying, Nauticlus is all over the gym's, gym's um, rigs gym was one. And it's like lit as shit, but then mixture with like new age stuff that's been coming into play as well. And it's like good cross between them both. Mm. I think somewhat, yeah, basically in that middle ground because having been used to training in a place like World Gym that's like clean, has an aircon, <laughs> like people tend to, to wipe down their equipment after the use. You know, obviously all the equipment is quite quite new, new as well. So, and then I, I go to a gym like uh, your fitness here and it's it's somewhat a novelty. So like, no aircon, you know, really, really old piece of equipment, rust on everything. Like that to me is, I, I think is, is fun because it's something that's different to what I'm used to. So, um, but, but I guess if I train there every day, maybe I would prefer to be in a gym that is less hardcore quote unquote in the sense of, you know, rust field and everything like that. But it's, it's just a matter of what, what you acclimate to really. And, and um, I also think, I also think that when it comes to, to training, like the best gym, the perfect gym, quote unquote, is probably the gym where you can train the hardest and you enjoy your training the most, right? So it's probably going to look quite differently from, from person to person. And there's always like something that's missing out of a gym. Like it might have not, not have a certain piece of equipment that you really like, but perhaps the, the gym that has that piece of equipment, maybe the vibe isn't as, as nice. Like it's, you go into there, it's not as much of a vibe. So you have to make somewhat of a sacrifice based on you know where you can train the best and convenience and things like that. So yeah, it's kind of a bit individualized, but um, I think like you summed it up, summed it up, Jono, kind of right in that middle ground is probably probably the most uh, perfect quote unquote gym. Yeah, for me, like I trained at World Gym Brisbane, which I think is in Brisbane maybe on the slightly grungier side, uh, and I loved World Gym Brisbane, but it didn't have aircon kind of had the nice warehouse vibe, which I liked. Wasn't always the most up-to-date gym in terms of there would usually be six or seven pieces out of order, but uh, that's just how it was. Um, I think they've recently got some new pieces now, um, although Techno Gym, so I'm sure some of them are okay. But yeah, I like, I having trained at Brendale now and Riggs, like I like the aircon and I, I think especially on leg day, like it's, it's super tough to, I just get to a point in, in the off season where if it's too hot, I can feel my food coming up from breakfast. So I do like to have the aircon, that's for sure. And um, I think the, the community and the atmosphere is, is super nice too. Like having, uh, I like to, even if there's like one or two people that I know in the gym, like that helps a lot. And like, I know that's, that's good at rigs now. I think at Brendale, like the only people I kind of knew there was um, Dan and uh, Nicole and um, uh, yeah. And that's kind of why I like flicking between both of them because yeah, there's people at each one that I know. Mm, yeah. You come over to me like, Hey man, can you just watch me do my RDLs? I'm like, Stand behind me. Like what? Can you, <laughs> can you spot me? Like how much? Just to flex on them. Just <laughs> me, on. What about you, Lawrence? Yeah, I don't know. I think that it's, I think a lot of gyms, they sometimes, they come off as being grungy or hardcore when in actuality, they're just like poorly maintained. I think there's a big difference between that. 
like yeah. just because yeah. you, no one cleans up after themselves and and there's pieces of you know dumbbells are falling apart like that doesn't make you hardcore like it just means no one's really taking care of it um i think that like for me it's probably i don't know it could be it really is just equipment i think like i think yes the vibe is important but i also think that you can to a certain extent like create your own atmosphere mm-hmm. whereas like you look at a place like ultraflex rotherham for example in the uk where like thorburn and aj train um and like there's other ultra flexes where like keefe trains george osborne and there it's like you know everything's brand new there's no rusty dumbbells everything's top of the line and it looks incredible like yes they've got a very like high level of you know people training there like ifbb pros natural pros but just because that gym has not got rusty dumbbells or or dust in the corner it doesn't make it less hardcore so i think for me like the probably the single most important thing for a gym is is the kit as good as it possibly can be because i think everything else you can kind of you can make up for you know if, if it doesn't great up trained at club line for so long yeah mate that's why i just can't leave just because it's you know it's the mecca of victoria point as they as they say <laughs> <laughs> oh no but and dude i'm honestly noticing that like when i do have my sessions at lime i'm just like this is just not powerhouse is it like it's almost like the uh, the old saying, I wish I never saw the sun because then I wouldn't know how bad the rain is. It's like, I've seen the other side. And now when I come back, I'm like, ah, like there's just not as much. But out of pure necessity on the, on the days where I do need to train there, like obviously I'm still going to train there. But, you know, if somewhere didn't have a good atmosphere, you could, you know, bring a friend, you could put on your own music, you can create some of your own atmosphere. But if the equipment is truly garbage, there's only so much you can do. Mm. Um, but no, I, I do agree DC with the premise of like that novelty is quite nice. Cause that gym in Lota that I trained at for a bit um, for like close to a year, it was really cool at the start. I was like, Oh, this is nice. Like some, you know, old iron cast dumbbells and like, you know, everything's just a little bit different. Um, some older pieces and like, it's cool. And then you kind of realize, well, you know, there is still better stuff out there. Mm. Um but like you said, no gym's ever going to be perfect. There's always something you wish you had. Mm, absolutely. Even uh, even just how busy the gym is as well, right? So the time in which you go, how long you have to wait for pieces of equipment, I think that has a big contribution mm. towards whether your gym is quote-unquote perfect or not. Especially if you have goals around certain movements, which are just really challenging to get on, like you want a hack squat or something like that. You don't want to be subbing that out constantly just because you can't jump on there in a timely manner. For sure. Yeah. You definitely need like a special sign or something because there's sometimes I'm an absolute savage. That's why I don't train at work. Like if I trained at any time did that, I would, I would be shot. Like my face would be blank and I'll wait for someone on a machine. And like, I just did a whole set of exercises, two sets of exercises. And they're still going I'm like, motherfucker, mate, how many sets do you got to go? And he's like, it'll always be one more. I'm like, cool. Will you do that one? I'm going to jump in with y'all. Like, any any longer than 10 minutes you ain't did a set i'm i'm pulling your towel off and i'm doing a set and i'll, I'll re-rack it and unrack it whatever but i'm like if everyone's listening and you're like on the machine and you're texting or doing some kind of weird shit and there's people in the background you know that they're looking at you too and you're like oh this dude's looking at me and he's like oh maybe like a little timer above their head like it's been nine minutes and 59 set like get the <laughs> We oh. should we should send Jono down to like the Planet Fitness that they've got in Brisbane now, and we'll we'll ask Jono. Oh, what like indeed, a, mate? I like couldn't even review. walk to the door. 
Dude, you can't you can't even be loud. I'm I'm so loud. You could I could I'd get stopped at reception and be like, nah. nah. The la- the alarm's going off already. Yeah, it's it going off already. Yeah. Sounds like too many people at your gym have been doing uh GVT, man. The ten by ten. How many more sets you got left? Oh, I'm up to set nine. It's got one. <laughs> like what the fuck? But it's always one. You 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 every time you ask someone, it's always one. I've I've did like three one time. I'm like yeah, I got three more. You want to you can jump in. So like, oh okay cool. Well, I'll put twenty on and then on twenty, and they don't even want to do the rest of the sets. And like I'll take them off. So, something I don't get is because I'll always ask people as well. I'll be like oh hey mate, can I work in with you? And they'll always say, nah, mate, I've got one more. But like, I just don't get that. Like, why not just say, yeah, mate? Yeah. Like, what, like what's wrong with working anyway? In? <laughs> yeah, I find that bizarre. Hey, like, because I mean, I, and I'm, I'm probably like, if I can do another exercise first and it's not going to like majorly impact the session, I'll normally wait and just see. But like working in with people, like if you're efficient with it, it really isn't a big Fast. deal. You just strip the weights. You've got someone to then like reset them all. And you get to, you know, maybe even learn something from someone else at the gym. But I don't know. People are weird at the gym, man. Like new friend. Yeah. Yeah. Bodybuilders. We could all use with a few new friends. Yeah. We don't have enough. We're the solitary creatures we are. <laughs> you go to a show, you're supposed to be like, look at half the client. Like, look, I'll be back in a second. I'm like, choo, choo, like 20 people. I'm like, it's like a party. <laughs> it's the best. It's oh, the best. I love it. I'm frothing. So um, speaking of comps, like this next question says, thoughts on men's physique athletes doing men's fitness as well. Is it fair for men's fitness? And I think we can make kind of segue this into maybe other categories as well. Um, so hmm, DC, I'll let you kick this off. What are your thoughts on it? Mm, well, I guess in the same token, it, it would be like saying, well, you know, someone who's in bodybuilding, they shouldn't be able to then go into classic as an example or, or vice versa. Um, I mean, I've had some athletes that have sort of sat quite nicely in fitness, but then they do have a physique that could be competitive within men's physique as well. So, you know, then they, they then have that option of being able to essentially jump between, between both if they want. Um, you know, I think if you're an athlete and you're dedicated towards one category, you just know that, that there might be people who cross compete. And if it's allowed within the federation, then I don't really see the concern there, but I do think that there is a physique that is more specific to fitness and one that is more specific to, you know, physique in itself. Mm. So, you know, you're, you're probably going to do better at one versus the other, but there are some individuals that kind of sit right down the middle, right. Where they kind of could do, could go either way, but um, I don't see a concern with respect to cross cross categories. What do you guys think? Yeah. I don't have a concern with it. I think ultimately the person who wins physique is unlikely to be overly competitive in men's fitness and vice versa. Like the upper body size in men's physique is not going, is going to be too big for men's fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Judging by this season, it was, it was hectic. It Mm. was like virtually baby bodybuilder or not even baby body, just like bodybuilder. Bang. Like they, they were big. They were like, I could stand next to them. They're bigger than me. Especially the bloke who won the uh, pro pro show for men's physique. Oh god, massive, yeah. massive unit. Yeah, it's kind of a funny way to to phrase the question because it's just kind of like, well, if you get beaten, like that's be just better. what the, that's yeah, be better. It's just like what the judges said on the day. It's like you know, even if someone is able to to do well, say in both divisions, and you have like a qualm, and you're like, oh, they placed high in men's physique, like they shouldn't have placed in fitness, like. 
at the end of the day, you can kind of manipulate your body on the day where maybe that person does not pump up at all for men's fitness, but when they are pumped, they can do really well in men's physique. And also the judges can only judge what they have there on the day. So they might not have someone in that men's fitness category that does perfectly exemplify their ideal for that category. So at that point, they're, they're just kind of choosing, well, who is the closest to? And if that happens to be someone who also did well in men's physique, like, I know there's not really much you can do. You just, someone was better on the day. Mm. Yeah. It's almost like just turning it off, turning it on. It just depends on the person using the category as well. So if you are jumping in between the categories, you do leave yourself open of a risk that you might mm. not face. So like, think that's the biggest part that you need to start thinking is like, where are you suited? If, if it is their first time competing, you know, you're going to, you're going to throw it around everywhere. You know, fitness guys mm. are going to go get bodybuilding to go. They know they're not going to like smash through it, but you never know who's there on the day. Like we've did shows and you're supposed to have 15 people turn up and there's two people on the day and like, Oh, well, well there you go. Mm. I think all of us were kind of all kind of know our categories. Like you won't see me in men's fitness. You won't see, Lawrence doing bikini so (laughs) Uh, but this this next question is also kind of on the topic of two different categories and it's on the topic of uh, bodybuilding and classic so I think more of just a discussion point on what what did we see as classic classic bodybuilding or what do we see as classic in Australia for for natural bodybuilding so John I'll let you kick this one off yeah, I reckon uh, between bodybuilding, bodybuilding is like fully upright, right? Like you're trying to bring, you're, you're pretty much the cream of the crop of where the land is. And I'm like, there's nothing to it. I, I do both. I do classic and I do bodybuilding. I never knew about classic when I first started. And it was like, bodybuilding was it. But as soon as classic came, I was like, nah, I, wanna, I just want to do classic, classic only, you know, and that's, that's where it went. But I think the bridge in between, like, it's, if you're going to do classic, do classic poses don't do the body like there's a i think we need stronger criteria for the posing because there's guys that come in like myself and jack or and a few of the others you know we 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 go all year round trying to do our posing and make it a certain way and a certain shape and you know making sure that we're suiting to to the classic style as well as we are playing bodybuilding but it's sort of trying to find your grasp between the two you know, we want big, big ass shoulders. I want a nice big back, big chest, nice V taper waist. We've got some nice full legs. Don't need like super striated glutes, but it's finding that nice bridge between. We want to be full and shred to a point where you don't need to be peeled to the eyeballs and come down the classic because it's not, it's sort of, that's classic is not shredded to the bones. Like I, I know I was, I was super shred uh, on my last season and I was like, I was probably too lean to do classic but i did really well in bodybuilding but it's sort of trying to find your your cast between the two and i think there's a lot of uh, bodybuilding posing sneaking its way back into the classic like have you seen over the some of the shows and like if you're in a straight line it, it shouldn't be marked just you're, you're supposed to be a little bit off center classic is showing your artistic style to your posing instead of like you know if you want to do up and down then go in the other category yeah, I think like a good example is maybe some people just doing like a standard bodybuilding front double buy, but then just do pulling a vacuum. I still don't think that's classic enough no. for for classic. And yeah, for me, like I, considering we both do like even DC and myself and you, John, like we all do bodybuilding and classic or DC will be doing that and trying to balance that together. Like ultimately, if we want to do well at bodybuilding, we're going to have to aim for 
strided glutes and full on conditioning. So unless we just aim for classic in that one season, which I don't think any of us will really do. But uh, John, were you planning on just doing classic or were you going to jump on the bodybuilding stage? Yeah, I could be wrong. Apologies if I'm wrong. Yeah. My full, my full thing's probably going to be, I want to do nothing. Like if my classic is going to suffer for my bodybuilding, then, you know, that's my, my prior as soon, like as soon as classic came out, like I want to be a classic pro. So that's, Mm. that's my forte. And it's like, I, I copped some shit the first time when I did it. Cause they were like, Oh, you just, you're just downgrading. And I'm like, no, it's not because I know where I need to go and mm. I, can, I can get lean. Don't worry about that. But, and I, but this person's in a different league so that it doesn't even bother. But mm. I think if we're going to, we're going to specialize in that thing. Cause I know that my, my eye for myself, I really like that classic look. I want, I want a tiny waist. I want to have like the, the nice meat cleaver from the back end, nice, nice big Dorito, Dorito chippies you know mm. and like i compete at 69 so for me to get right up to bodybuilding i'm gonna need like you know i i stand next to bk sometimes like fuck man i'm so <laughs> it's it's gonna be a long time and i'm like i'm 32 next year so i'm like my time is using my my course to plan where i want to go and classic is like my my forte as you can see like i don't train many guys but when i got my guys coming in like they're very classic specific uh, classic specific mm. Absolutely. I remember even having a conversation with um with B around just classic in general. And we were just saying how it even seems that across federations, there might be a slight difference in, in what they define as classic in regards to conditioning. So um, I think B was referencing it that A and B, for example, like like a little bit more of a less conditioned look than perhaps let's say ICN. So maybe if you were to compete with ICN, you might get that transferability to a greater degree when it comes from, you know, stepping on the bodybuilding stage and then sort of being just as lean and jumping into classic, you might be okay. Like, again, there is that that borderline where maybe you are a little bit too lean if it starts to take away from that fullness. Um, but A and B, for example, the, the I think the premise there was that they, um, they had a preference towards slightly less conditioning um in terms of their criteria so i think it was a and b it might have been nba i'm not entirely sure i can't, cannot remember but um yeah just a bit a bit of difference between federations potentially too and because because we are you know natural athletes there's tends to be not that much of a distinction in comparison to like let's say the ifbb right where the opens bodybuilding is like light years apart from the classic physique look yeah i mean in saying that like the the, the winners of the classic pro cards this season were very, very different to the bodybuilders. That's for sure. Like, like yeah. yeah, that was a huge difference. Well, I love it that over time it's, it's kind of like solidifying itself as a stronger category. Don't you think? Mm. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Part, there was less distinction. And I think that there were probably more people just cross competing and, and now it's kind of like slowly building into its own, own category that has very, very defined guidelines with regards mm. to how you should look on stage. And it's probably going to be the same for like women's women's wellness, for example, right? So you you kind of got some women jumping into women's wellness that that maybe they should be bikini. They're not quite as bottom heavy as they they think they are. Um, maybe you know over time that that category is going to be a lot more biased towards a very specific look. Like you won't yeah. really go into it unless you look like you're very low biased. Mm. Yeah, I think my prediction for myself in twenty four is that like I'll be aiming for bodybuilding, but just because like I, I won't be 35 yet. I won't have just depends on who shows up, but I won't have as much muscle as I might need for bodybuilding. Um, so I'll naturally just fit into classic anyway. So, cause I enjoy both. Like I really, I enjoy the challenge of the classic posing 
uh, for sure. And just displaying that other element of it. But I also like bodybuilding a lot as well. When you, when you say like you, you may not have enough muscle yet for bodybuilding, is that like saying, you know, have enough muscle to win a bodybuilding overall or win a bodybuilding pro card? Because, you know, I don't think classic should be seen as like a, like a stepping stone towards open bodybuilding because I think then that paints it in the wrong way because it paints it as like, okay, if you want to do bodybuilding, but you're still just a bit underdeveloped, do classic. Whereas, you know, like you could gain all the muscle in the world that you want in, but you may just not have a classic physique. Like, mm. I, I think it needs- I mean, to yeah, be- unique to me. Like, I think I'll, I'll, I don't want to um, talk myself up, but I think I have a fairly classic physique regardless. Oh, for sure. Of- you have a classic physique. <laughs> no, but that's what I think. So like, I mean, in that instance, it's like, I mean, if you, so will there be a day where you're like, okay, no, now I have enough muscle. I'm not going to do classic anymore. No, there won't be a day like I think so, it's just got to shift it. You got to shift it because if you look at the bodybuilding physique, it's not not saying that everyone's blocky, but it was like it, it's quite blocky. Mm. But it was like if you're yeah. you're trying to structure into a classic physique mm. and go be like classic physique pro, you will see that the the training style is a little bit different. You know, your mm. your, your leg regiments are fully systemized to growing in specific ways and the same thing with your your top end you're not just going to be working everything equally your your back dominance is going to be coming through mm. chest volume you know side cap delts like it has you grow a little bit on this side you need to grow lower end to come through like it, t- it takes time but it was like you're planning to specialize in this category and it was like there's still absolute monsters that are in um classic physique but it's sort of like you can't it's just a different style of bodybuilding. And it's like, it's mm. the old school era. You want to, you want to hit that through. And it's like, everyone will always do bodybuilding because we can push it to the limit. And everyone in, in, in the, in the cast today has, has been to that limit, which like doesn't take away from either, but it's just, you're specializing everyone, every, every category is in its own, in its own league. So. Mm. I think a good example is maybe Pete Hartwig, who like, we know he's natty and yeah. like, I think he could, if he stepped on an ICN bodybuilding stage, I think he would win a pro card for bodybuilding. Like, I don't think I'll, like, I might get to peak levels one day. I'm not sure, but that's kind of what I'm aiming for in a sense is, is like, yeah, that's, if, if you guys know what I mean, I think he could do both just because he's, he's that good. Mm. Mm, one, of the, one of the key genetic proclivities towards like the classic, classic category is having like, in terms of like the ratio of like your your leg to torso is just like the leg length is is quite long in comparison to the to the length of the torso. So you typically your torso is a little bit shorter, and it kind of gives you that really nice taper when you sit into that. Let's say kind of like that modified side tricep position where your feet is in that T pose and the hands behind the mm. behind the lower back. You really shift that hip to the side. It kind of gives that really nice taper of like the the physique to the side. So um, I definitely think if you look it through like the list of, of guys that have done incredible within classic physique, a lot of them have longer legs, shorter torsos. Like if you, you, you look at my, my guy, Kel, he, he has, he's, he's pretty much on par with Steve Reeves. Like he, he does all the, all of his measurements kind of style. He likes, he doesn't want to be too lean, but he wants to be that fullness as well. And like, you know, he's got quite, it's almost like a turtle back when he does his rear spread. He's got nice, nice figure through the glutes and is, you know, a little bit more on the legs and he'd be absolutely filth. But as, as he sits in some of his poses, especially like his leg goes like quite long, but quite, quite short in that torso. Mm. 
Yeah, well, I'm keen to see where ICN takes Classic for sure, because mm. I think, yeah, it's still, it'll continue evolving as a category. And, okay, a more lighthearted question. So we had a one of our listeners send through basically a list of animals, and they wanted to know where we think we would stand up against these animals in hand-to-hand combat, essentially. So there's no tricks here like there's you can't kind of phone a friend you can't use a a weapon and the list of questions is rat cat dog medium-sized goose eagle large dog chimpanzee kangaroo wolf crocodile or bear so (laughs) lawrence i'll throw this over to you oh man i think we have to make it very clear as well like you can't sort of argue the temperament of the animal so like you have to assume that that animal is trying to kill you because like obviously goose well goose geese geese are pretty passive but like you got to assume like the goose is trying to kill you mm. i mean i think if we look at the first couple i mean like rat come on like you're dusting a rat like a cat <laughs> i have a cat um yeah i could take a cat a medium dog i think technically we- my dog's a medium border collies yeah <laughs> i would i think i'm backing myself against a dog that size I don't know how you've trained trained Sam in Boston, but I'm sure they've got some killer instinct. Um, I think pure pride, like I'm not losing a fight to a bird. So goose, eagle, I'm dusting them both. And now we start to get a bit tricky. Like a large dog, are we talking like like a, a German shepherd? Mm. I mean... Great Dane. Great, well, like, yeah, Great Dane. Yeah, I think like German shepherd, like the police dogs. Man, I don't know if I could... I don't know if I'm overwhelming one of those. I think chimps are very strong. Um, they would just think, fight dirty. Yeah, kangaroo might be out of order because I think I might bank, bank myself against a kangaroo rather than a big dog. Um, and maybe a wolf. Know, I feel like if you were fighting a you know fully sized kangaroo, like these things are freaking huge. Yeah, and you're not you're not you're literally getting nowhere close to it because it's just going to kick the. That's ad. true, actually. Is, yeah, the, is this the real buff kangaroo or like that one? one? Let's just assume wallaby. that real buff one. He he. Oh man, you'd have to like step in like t t foot to the side or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think a wolf. It's probably just down to pure like. I just don't know if you could stop its like instinct, and they're they're very fast. And then crocodile and bear. Like, let's be fair. Like you're not laying a finger on one of those without dying. Like I reckon a bear would have to be probably the toughest one to fight because they're like mm. three meters tall and they're just going to... Oh, Hands like, on the bear, yeah. Yeah, it would be it'd be very, very difficult. So I, I think, Grizzly. yeah, at best, an average sized dog slash kangaroo. Mm. I think everything else is probably taking care of me fairly easily. And I'm horrible in the water. So crocodile, I'm I'm for sure dying. There's probably some fish that could do me over and I'll just drown. <laughs> but DC, you might you... get the croc, mate, with your swimming oh, ability. I don't know about that. Know about that. <laughs> you mean swimming away? That's fucking what I <laughs> um, Did anyone see the the ad? It was like, oh, it was ages ago. I think it was in like 2000. It was a UK ad. And it was with um John West, like the, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. the guy like runs in off 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 screen and, and runs into this like this bear um 
he's on the side of like a, a waters river or something like that. And then just start, the key thing, what does he do? Like kicks him in the nuts and then grabs yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. And they both got the hands up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they both put their hands up if they're about to like lock fists mm. and uh, kicks him in the nuts and grabs the fish and runs off. And it's just like, Oh fuck, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, but, but no, I'm, I'm probably in the same camp as you, man. I, I think rat, cat, medium sized dog, goose and uh, an eagle is, is probably the go-to but uh, i mean even an eagle right we're talking like one of those things that are just absolutely ginormous like mm. i've seen an eagle in, in uh, flying in the down the, claw you in the face like i don't know what kind Scalp of chance you. yeah i mean if you're in an open field and you've got nowhere to hide or kind of dodge like that will be that'll be pretty challenging but um yeah I, I mean i'm the same as you lawrence i don't think i stand any chance against a chimpanzee a kangaroo a wolf a croc and a bear Mm, I'll be in the same boat as well. Yeah. Come on, Jono, you're our final hope. I was definitely, I'd be like, yeah, I can get up to the kangaroo maybe. I, I don't think all four of us could take a bear. Like, I think that nah. the bear would have us. Oh, oh yeah, no. for sure. Oh, but- nah, four, I can, yeah. <laughs> each leg, just right over the top. <laughs> I, well, I reckon, I don't know, the kangaroo's a tough one because they, they've got really little arms. Mm. It's but just it's just the legs. So like if he, if he misses, I'm like I'm just like crash tackling and it, just don't let go because if you let go, you're you're gone. He'll just get up and just like. But have you seen how they how they fight? Like they fall yeah. themselves at the person, all about the other kangaroo, and they're mm. full, like clawing them because they've got their claws out as well, right? Yeah, so that's true. Fully clawing, they're they're leaning back on their leg to kick you, like. What I don't understand is those because I've seen a couple of videos on on Facebook about like the the boxing between human and kangaroo. Like, how does the kangaroo just not absolutely mess them up? Like, maybe they, I don't know, like one one out of ten difficulty setting or something. Yeah, <laughs> beginner. But the um, yeah, I reckon like if you could, that's yeah, I think it's a good point, DC. Like they're so tall, like you wouldn't even be able to get at its head really. You'd have to rely on like some some body shots or something like that. Mm, exactly right. I mean, they throw the head back when they fly forward with the leg and the and, and the fist. So, uh, yeah, who knows? What about the the kangaroo in our logo? No chance, <laughs> bro. <Bruh, laughs> that kangaroo is is beating the brakes off all four of us and Dy. Sure. Especially Dy. Especially <laughs> Dy. <laughs> So uh, I don't think I don't think we I think we're only making ourselves about halfway down that list. If that, yeah, it's not looking good. Natural selection is not looking in favor of us right now. What about like an antelope, like a moose? Nah, no way. No way. Rock hard. Mm, like, how are you gonna hurt that? You, you, you throw have, a punch at like it, punching a beef. Yeah, true. Like, how you like, bow beef? But is then anything I can do like gonna hurt it in any way probably not nah well think about it from like an evolutionary standpoint we're like we're made to run run away from things and (laughs) we we basically you know um built our intelligence to the point where we could create weapons and things like that to to help us right so take take away our intelligence and and, or not intelligence but take away our ability to use use objects and weapons and i don't think we i think natural selection we would have been fucked a long time ago Mm. That's a great point. Because I think what um like the person who sent this, they they sent a message. It was like a study where it's like one in ten men think they could like beat a lion in a fight. That's like, bro, 
<laughs> like, how disillusioned do you have to be? Like, it's literally a killing machine mm. that's like faster than us, stronger than us. It could probably like break its our skull with one bite. Like, man, that that's a terrifying prospect. These are probably the same guys that are like tripping over their own vomit on weekends. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about a what about a cheetah? That's a pretty small cat. Like in terms, it's not as it's not gonna like could a, a cheetah overpower you? They're pretty thin. I think so. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think a small cat is the great descript, description for a cheetah. Yeah, but it, you know what I mean. Like it's pretty that. slight. I, I I reckon I'd stand a much better chance against a cheetah than a lion or a tiger. They don't have much energy, though. I watched the the, the planet with uh, David Attenborough, and you know, <laughs> like the, the the cheetah will wait and and wait, but they don't. They can like go for a short distance, but they they fatigue quick. Well, isn't that all of us? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I could probably run a K right now at like seven. Well, um, I think yeah, we all we all fought, fail at that game. Yeah, and another one to end on, which is a bit more lighthearted. So. I'll set the scene. It's 11 p.m. and you get home and you look in the fridge. You haven't gone shopping in two weeks and you've got about 2,000 calories left to eat for that day. So you have three choices. You've got some mayonnaise. You've got some extra virgin olive oil and you've got some egg yolks. So, I mean, you have to choose one out of the three to get your calories in because, of course, fasting isn't an option. You wouldn't do that as a bodybuilder. So, Jono, I'll throw this over to you. <laughs> Can you have all three? I mean, if you want, like, you'll have to have the, mix them together, though. I think that's the... Yeah, make them wrong, for sure. Pour that in. Let's go. BK would be very upset if I don't eat my food. BK's just got you on, like, 800 grams of fat a day. <laughs> just That's your only option. <laughs> if you had to choose one, though, Jono, like, you can only have one. And, uh, and what are we doing? Are the egg yolks cooked? I mean, that's up to your discretion, I guess. Yeah, okay. definitely take the eggs. I'd make I'm taking the eggs scramble. as well. If I can cook it, man, an egg, an egg yolk scramble would just yeah. be scrumptious. That's heaven. Sheesh. Mm. Jack's just looking at us like, you guys are crazy. <laughs> I'm getting into that olive oil. Oh, <laughs> Jack's there with a straw. <laughs> just loving it. Loving every sip. It honestly would depend on how hungry I am because, I mean, if, if I'm not hungry, then I'm, I'm taking that olive oil. Oh man, I don't know if I could stomach it. Like, I don't know if I could physically do it. But yeah, I guess there's some olive oils that are apparently like so flavorsome that you can drink them. I remember Ben Pakolsky on his podcast always used to talk about how he drinks like 100 mils of olive oil in the morning or something like that. And like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of the, uh, I don't want to, I don't know about this for sure, but it is one of the, aspects of the Mediterranean diet. And I think it is actually quoted at around hundred mils of olive oil a day, um, which is a lot. It's like a hundred grams of fat, essentially. It's a ton. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fair. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's why all these like, you know, there's like these Italian men and women, they're like 148 and they're just like, what's the secret? And you're like, Oh yeah. Pack of cigarettes a day, hundred mils of olive oil. And here I am, glass of red wine. And yeah, they've never exercised. Wine. Yeah. Mm. I always wondered that. How come, like, how come they can always have so much? Like, if you if you go there, like we we're we're at the Italian on the on the weekend and uh, Giovanni's in uh, in James Street, and they come Gimelli's? out. Yeah. Gimelli? Gimelli? James Street. Yeah, 
Yeah, Gamelli. Yeah. Oh, sick, bro. Sick. Mate, unreal. They got they got a little dip. I'm like, can I have some pepper sauce with that, mate? And he's like, nah. Uh, comes back out and they're like, we don't do pepper sauce, but we do like an olive oil with like chili and um, I think it was like some garlic or something. It was like, oh, yeah, that'll work. And like dipping it in. And I was like, I guess you could do it that way. Funny fat each dip. Stuff with the, with the olive oil. Mm, true that. Yeah, that's definitely oh, viable. Different. But how do you, you know, I, I, I still gobsmacked, but like older people can smash through that stuff and, and not. Mm, I think it's uh, the, the, the big word that we found on the podcast, which is genetics. <laughs> Mind you, you know, Nonna's in the, in the garage, like slaving over the pizza oven while she's, uh, it's a hundred degrees back there. So yeah, that energy expenditure is very high. <laughs> yeah. She's burned about 2000 calories making the meal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think this is yeah, DC's answer. What are you taking, big dog? I mean, I, I have to go with the egg yolks as well. I mean, that, that to me sounds all right, yeah? I mean, put some salt and pepper on that, make a bit of an egg yolk uh, scramble, ha- happy days. I feel like that's going to be pretty easy to go down. I, w- I was going to switch the egg yolks to blue cheese because yeah. I thought egg yolks would be too no. easy. <laughs> Every day of the week, I'm taking that. We know Tierra's taking that. Yeah. <laughs> Loves a bit of blue cheese. I'm just, I can't I'm just stand blue cheese. You just picture like getting that check-in from an athlete just being like, hey man, like I got to like 11 o'clock at night and like all I had in the fridge was just mayo, like extra virgin olive <laughs> and the egg yolks. And I just had to push those cows in, man. I felt so sick the next day, but it just happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, How disorganized must you have been to just have those three items in the, <laughs> in the kitchen? Cool. Well, let's uh, end this episode here. Jono, I want to thank you for, for coming on. I'm sure we'll have you on again in the future. Many thanks, boys. And uh, if you enjoyed this one, please uh, take your, take a second to leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. And we'll see everyone next week for episode 26. Bye.